Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. My name is H.D. Chambers and I'm the Superintendent of Schools for ALEAF ISD. I want to thank all of our listeners uh, for, for listening to today's episode. Uh, today's episode is going to be pretty specific about a uh, critically important topic, not only in our district, not only in our state, but in our country, and it has to do with voting and the role that adults in our school district play in helping educate our students, uh, whether they're of age to vote or not, but in preparing them once they do become of age to vote. And I also think that, I don't know that it's as important, but it becomes very a vital part of what we do, and that's uh, educating adults on the, the importance of registering and, uh, and obviously being eligible to vote. So I'm joined by three uh, extremely smart, convicted ladies on this topic uh, that ALEAF has a, uh, is a extremely fortunate to have uh, in our school district. And whether our kids know it or not, they're extremely fortunate to have them as well. Uh, we have Miss Adrian Redman, who's at uh, Hastings High School. She's uh, our local guru on voter registration, and obviously let her introduce herself and talk about herself a little bit. But we're going to get into a little detail about registering high school age kids and uh, the efforts that go into that. Uh, we also have Miss Kadra Hubbard. She's a social studies specialist at Taylor High School, and she's uh, she knows all things social studies. <laughs> and then last but certainly not least is our coordinator for social studies across the district, and that's Miss Gretchen Gaskin. So thank you, ladies, for being here. And um, I hope this conversation is not only helpful for those who are going to listen, but also an opportunity for you to talk about things that you care about and that are important to you in a forum in which we'll be able to be broadcasted. Thank you for you. having me. If you don't mind, uh, Adrian, I'm going to start with you. If you mm-hmm. don't mind introducing yourself, tell me just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll kind of go down the, the, the line, and then we're going to get started into the conversation. Sure. So I'm the Advanced Academics Coordinator at Hastings High School, former social studies teacher, voter, deputy registrar. I've worked at the polling locations during primary elections. Just very passionate about getting people educated and getting them out there to vote. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. And I'm Kydra Hubbard, Social Studies Specialist at Taylor High School here in Aleve ISD. I am responsible for educating not only our students but our community on um, the importance of registering to vote and also to get out to the polls to vote. And I'm Gretchen Gaskin, Social Studies Coordinator, K-12, through and it is my responsibility to ensure that curriculum is taught here in the district and that we create educated, active citizens. That's one of our core values here in Aleve in the Social Studies Department. I think it goes without saying that all of our interactions, all of your interactions, uh, are mostly with high school age kids, uh, little mini young adults. They behave like kids, but <laughs> and then some of them behave much older than their years. Yes. And th- this idea of, of voting, and, and I, at the risk of sounding like overly dramatic, but our country from the founding fathers, from the time the the writing of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, you know, and, and then just the, the growth of our country over the last 250 years, one of the foundations of our democracy is voting. Yes. If we don't get that right, then there's a whole lot of other things that can go wrong. Adrian, I'm, I'm interested in, in you talking a little bit about what are you seeing and what have you seen in trying to take our youngest of young adults, our high school kids, mm-hmm. and not only the importance of voting, but the importance of registering to vote because a lot of people don't even realize they have to go, quote, unquote, sign up. Right. So talk a little bit about what you do and what, what's happening across not only our high schools, but high schools across the, the, the country. I think the biggest obstacle, like you said, is registration. Um, in Harris County, you cannot do it online. 
Um, you have to print out a form. And so I think that high schools play a huge role in getting young kids to vote and getting the young demographic out to vote. The younger you are, the lower efficacy you feel like you have in government. And so you don't feel like there's a point. And so what tends to happen is sort of this cycle that you don't feel like your vote matters and then the election comes around and what you wanted doesn't happen. And so then you feel like, well, then what's the point? And so it's just kind of cyclical. So I think it's important to start educating students, especially in high school, with why voting matters. Your voice matters. I mean, it just does. Um, only 40 percent of those that are eligible to register to vote are actually registered. And of that 40 percent, not 100 percent of them actually vote at the polls. And so you have this minority of the population making decisions for the majority. And so we tend to feel as citizens, well, there's, you know, a bajillion and a half of us here. What is my one little vote going to count? And so when you get down into the local levels and you have smaller representation, your vote counts for more for school board elections, for um, your mayor, for the city, for council members. You know, um, here in Texas, we vote for judges. All of that matters. And your vote counts more the, the more you drill down. And so I think just getting people to understand that your your vote does count and these are the things that you can vote on. I think that in US history classes is very important to connect what where we've come from to where we are now. Um, in government classes, especially with how the government works and where do we fit into that because it's young people who change the world. Yeah. Always have been, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the uh, things that you mentioned, Adrian, was the fact that we have to educate our students on why it's important. But I feel like we need to make it more personalized. Mm -hmm. We need to talk to students about why is this important to you? And some students don't understand that, you know, Voting will determine taxes and how taxes are distributed and things of that nature. But I think one of the things that I thought about as a voter, why is it important to me? And one of the reasons or two of the reasons why it's important to me is because as an African-American woman, people have fought for that right for me. And when we teach students about their rights, we need to let them understand why this is important so that you continue to fight for your rights. And voting is one of the ways that you do that. And I think we need to personalize it, especially for young students, uh, young voters who have everything personalized for them in this day and time. So we need to make sure we personalize that for them. Adrian, you had mentioned that we do talk about this in high school and we're working with high school students, but it's not just high school. We have an entire citizenship strand that's vertically aligned K through 12. And starting in kindergarten, students are learning about the concept of voting, and that just progresses of why it's important to vote, what it looks like to be an active citizen in Texas, what it looks like to be an active citizen in the United States, the historical background behind democracy. This is a large foundation for, I mean, for students to be able to learn this starting in kindergarten. What are the qualifications to register to vote? What are the basic? Uh, You have to be 18 and a citizen of the United States. That's it. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. it. And even uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about um, the ID policy and also the misconceptions about former um, felons. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that we have to get out in our community and educate that just because you may have been convicted of a of a crime doesn't mean you're disqualified for um, to vote. This idea of public schools, Hmm. you know, talking to children as young as kindergarten or first Mm -hmm. grade. You know, there's some that have always been suspicious of what what was the public school system or what are we teaching kids, right? And this, right. This, 
this conspiracy theory in many cases that we're creating little, um, I'll use this term loosely, but little robots, you know, the, to, to believe one, you know, either a certain ideology or a certain perspective. What's actually being done in the classrooms in terms of teaching kids? When, you, when we talk about educated voters, what does that really mean? What can the person out there listening wondering, what does Ailey ISD or what do public schools do in terms of preparing kids to vote? What does that mean? What does it look like? Well, I can speak for the yeah. high school yeah. piece of that because I, I was in the U.S. history classroom up to last year, and I just tried to embed it throughout the entire curriculum. Every time we talked about revolutions, every time we talked about pushing back on the government, we talked about how ordinary citizens had a role in that and that you can't just sit back and allow things to happen. I, I never taught political leanings. Um, I did try to educate students on where we are as a country, like what do the parties stand for. We dug into party platforms and really tried to decipher what that was. And so the point of that isn't to push them one way or the other. I never told them how I voted. We never talked about personal politics. Um, But I really worked hard to try to get them to discover where do they stand and why do they feel this way. If you feel this way because this is the commercial you see on television, Are you really an educated voter or are you really just, you know, kind of like a sheep just following along? And so I think it's just like Kadra was saying earlier, just bringing it back to a personal perspective. There's an amendment on the um, November 5th election in Texas for whether or not Texas can pass a law to institute an income tax. I mean, that's going to have a very direct effect immediately on people if that comes into fruition. The mayoral election, you know, the big thing is the potholes, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that has – that has a direct mm-hmm. impact on students. And so sometimes in social studies, I feel that students are, you know, they just kind of sit back and go, why do I have to learn about these dead people? Like, you know, who cares? Right, and right. so just connecting it. And I think in high school, it's it's a little bit easier because students are, at, you know, by the time they get to 11th grade, they're, they're driving and they have jobs and, you know, they're looking at their paycheck and going, well, who's this FICA person? <laughs> yeah, who's you taking know? all my paycheck, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> What is this about? Yes. Um, I think it's a little bit easier. It's more difficult, I feel like, to get um, to anybody, not just students, but to get them to understand the importance of the, the off, you know, the off year right. elections, those midterms or like this one coming up is really in a strange position because it's an odd year. Yep. But it's a mayoral election. We're going to elect all of our council members, the constitutional amendments. And those things, I feel like, have a more direct impact. So in the classroom, I think that when you can connect curriculum to real world, obviously it's going to make learning a little bit more um, authentic. And But just really just trying to get students to understand this is what's happening. You know, we were talking about the, the 19th Amendment, the amendment during Vietnam that lowered the voting age. That was young people. There was young people that didn't have the right to vote. And so young people are the ones that make the difference. And so when we can empower these young people, then I feel like we're doing our jobs. We can, you know, we right. can sleep better at nighttime. Yeah. I think we do a very good job here in A-Leaf educating our students because, number one, we follow the Texas curriculum. And part of our Texas curriculum is making sure that our students are critical thinkers. So we give them all aspects. We give them all points of views. And then we teach them how to make those decisions on their own. I think that's what we we do a really good job across the district, mm-hmm. starting from K to, right. through 12. Mm-hmm. I know in the, the early grade levels, it's really more of what does it look like to be a good citizen? What are the rules? How do you participate? Yeah. We don't get into some of those heavy concepts until sixth grade when you're comparing our democracy to others around the world, other right. governments right. around the world, and then really 
more of a how do you play an active role in that. So sixth grade, that's about when it gets heavy. Gets heavy. <laughs> sixth grade. That's when they get an opinion. Yeah, that's when they have Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, and, I, and it's kind of why I bring this up. So I was a history major, and I taught government and economics, taught U.S. history. I remember what I found to be interesting in, in teaching Sometimes you had to be really careful to not inflect your mm-hmm. own personal views, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're all human beings and we have this. And I think it's really challenging, particularly in today's environment with, I would argue, our high school kids are more educated than they've ever been. Uh, doesn't mean they use it all the time, but they have access to more information. And our 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 responsibility is to do exactly, Adrian, what, what you said is let's be truthful with them. Mm-hmm. This, is what, this is what's out there. Now, you make your own judgments. Use your own your own judgment. Have you seen, I'm just curious, would you agree with the statement I just made about high school age kids are more educated these days and perhaps? I would say they have more access to information. It's just to be able to determine fact from fiction. Yeah. That's the hard part these days. There's so, is so much information out there. It sometimes is harder for students, young students, to be able to determine what's real and what's not. And I think that's where we as educators are trying to help them with their media literacy skills. I mean, even social studies. Am I right? Yeah. Talk, talk about that. That's an interesting media yeah. literacy. Talk mm-hmm. about that a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, sometimes we think about students out there on social media getting their information. We kind of get a little afraid or frightened at the things that they might see. But it actually is a benefit because the social media reaches students that the news outlets don't necessarily mm-hmm. reach. Right. And they also encourage students to become involved in mm-hmm. politically and civically motivated and engaged. So I think social media has a bad rap, but as long as we continue as educators to teach them, again, those research skills, what am I looking at? What sites are these? Where are they coming from? What's the point of view? I think that we could really use social mm-hmm. media to our advantage in getting students and young people in general out to the polls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think um, if you look at the Arab Spring a few years ago, that was all social media driven. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that social media is inherently evil. Mm -mm. I think that one of the new challenges for educators now is we didn't grow up with technology in our hands. And so when we see students walk through the door with phones and tablets and all of these things, we make an assumption that they are literate with digital technology and they're not – that's not necessarily where they are. And so I think, like you were saying, the research skills and looking at, I mean, I get half of my news on social media, too, because yeah. that's the quickest way to get it. Um, it's just looking at what is reliable, what is their purpose in in publishing this information. I think that that's just another challenge, but it's not something that can't be done. If you look at the past, I don't know, go back to, uh, I guess, Obama's first election, where there was amongst the youth it seems like it kind of started, when we say a movement amongst the youth, it seems like, you know, he alone kind of generated this excitement for a lot of, regardless of what color your skin was, he generated a lot of excitement for our younger ones. Do we look back as educators and see that as the first, as one of the, at least in this generation of voters, that kind of kick-started this youth movement, if you will? Because I can remember my generation, it was Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can go back to the 60s where it was JFK. And so every generation or every 20 years had their kickstart, if you will. Mm-hmm. Was that when it occurred or? I think it certainly it was a grassroots effort, like right. you said, and it energized a whole lot of people. And I don't know that that's carried over. Right. To, to the 2020 election. I mean, we're 12 years removed now. It's a totally different generation exactly. of, of people. Um, but I think that 
when people can look at something like that that is sort of recent but maybe before you know, sort of their time, and they can look at that and say, well, they had, you know, one of the highest voter turnouts, if I remember correctly, um, in decades was during the 2008 election. I think it certainly energized people and the people that were first-time voters in 2008. I think we're still, we're not far enough removed yet to really look at it and say, did that carry over? Right. You know, now that we're 12 years down the road, are those same people voting? Yeah, and we've seen a decrease in voter turnout since 2008. So it's started to a, de- a, a decrease as a percent of the registered voters or just in total numbers or vote both? Both. Both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons um, that we see such low numbers right now is because in 2008, we had someone that actually targeted youth. Right. That was the specific target. And right now, our youth are being ignored. Their issues and their needs are being ignored. Yeah. So, of course, they're not going to vote if you're not reaching them on their level in the issues that are important to them. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You know, you mentioned earlier, Adrian, the, there's an odd-numbered election year mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. an even-numbered. Everybody gets excited about the even-numbered because that's typically either a gubernatorial election or a presidential election. Mm-hmm. And they forget about the odd-numbered years, but it's typically the odd-numbered years is the one – those elections have probably the most personal impact. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to sound flippant about this, but the presidential election is important to our country's most powerful position in the world. But in many cases, that individual probably has the least impact on our life, mm-hmm. on the, right? But you start looking at city council races. You start looking at statewide representative senatorial races. Do we get into that conversation with kids about looking at the importance of these, quote unquote, what seems to be less important elections in the presidential election? And I'm curious as to what their reaction is. Do they... Uh, yeah, they, get it? They, get it or not? <laughs> they don't really get it, but I think a lot of adults don't get it either. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I think it depends on that the it depends on the adult who's delivering the information. Mm-hmm. I think if they have an understanding of the importance of odd versus even num- even yeah. near elections, yeah. then they can relay that. It's just with teaching in any classroom. If you got a good teacher who understands the content, then they can deliver it in a way where students will understand it as well. And I think that um, one of the things that we try to do on uh, my campus is we try to inform the uh, community, the parents that come into the mm-hmm. parent center, so that the parents can have that information. And even some of the other te- the teachers on campus can get that information. So we do have people to come out and do lessons about the different elections and things of that nature for the community and the students. So, so you're saying like what's on the ballot? What's on, uh, where the propositions can... that are on the ballot? Uh, specifically the propositions because those are the things that have a direct impact. Like you said, the pothole issues and then the um, sales tax. And then I think we have one um, here coming up in, on November 5th about the flood infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to us in this area. And the income yeah. tax. And the, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, and you can go to websites to print out sample ballots for your area to see what is actually on the ballot that you're going to be voting on election day. So there's plenty of websites out there. We League of Women Voters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ballotpedia is Ballotpedia. one. Ballotpedia is one. Yes. Texas Educators Vote. One of you guys mentioned the all the information that's out there and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what can you trust and what can you not trust. Mm-hmm. As a, as teachers, as educators, do we spend time trying to cull through those and share those with the kids? Oh, yeah. You know what's mm-hmm. what's real and what's Mm-hmm. There's What's a teacher. Not? Yes, there's a teacher on my campus. Um, anytime there's something out there like a debate, they may watch a debate in the mm-hmm. government classroom. And she has them on fact checker doing fact checks and they practice that activity 
every time we have an election <laughs> or a debate. So, so and they're busy. Then. Yeah, yeah, they're busy. Like the phone, <laughs> the phones are out and they're checking. Yes. So we are teaching students how to um, decipher what information is put out there. What's happening in in China right now in Hong Kong? If you know, you mentioned the Arab Spring earlier and how that was kind of social media driven. What's happening in China with basically high school and college mm-hmm. age kids across the across their entire country uh, is social media driven. I never have kind of grasped what the you know how that starts. Like, did one person start that? Did two people start it? Did it become? I mean, when those things start with particularly with high school age kids in the classrooms, are those types of issues talked about? Are, are kids even paying attention? Oh, they're, they're, they're paying, paying attention. attention? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What yes. are they talking about? I mean, I'm curious as to what a high school kid in A-Leaf ISD who sees that through social media, wherever they're seeing it, are they interested in it? Is it intriguing? Is it mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean, it's, it's whatever resonates with them. So I think with, as with any grassroots effort, it could start with just one person, like the Arab Spring. Right. That started with right. one person protesting, but it resonates with people. And so when the kids come in, it's something that's personal to mm-hmm. them. And so they look at it, and they're always making comparisons to their own lives. So, well, this thing is going on in China. How do they stop that? Why is it like that? They want to know what the difference is between their position in time and space and somebody else who's existing in the same time but not necessarily the same space. And so anything that resonates with them, they have Mm -hmm. a million and a half questions. And I know sometimes the kids would come in and ask me questions. Well, I hadn't seen that on NPR yet. So, you know, I had to go to – Go to Google and check a couple of different <laughs> stories, and do yeah, I had to homework, do yeah. my homework on the fly, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then we would have conversations about it. But generally, their questions are very personal to them. Is this going to impact their life, or is there a way that they can can uh, impact whatever's going on somewhere else? And I know ha- I have several students who have moved on. Um, one student I was speaking with a couple of months ago. She's at UT now. She's in her third year at University of Texas. She's very politically active. She's involved in protests. She's in a couple of different organizations. And she wasn't necessarily the one that I would have picked out in class as being overtly inquisitive or curious about politics. But, you know, we lay the groundwork, Mm -hmm. I think, in primary education. And she took all of that. And, you know, she was coming back and she was telling me, do you remember when we talked about? Yeah, I remember. That's pretty (laughs) awesome. You know, and she's putting it into practice. And so I think the work we do here is really, really important and allowing that space for curiosity. If something's going on in the world and they come in and, and they want to know, how does this impact me? What can I do? Is this possible for something to happen here in Houston, Texas that's happening, you know, right. in other parts of the world? It just goes to the power of, of the teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, these conversations that teachers are having with kids about a variety of topics and, and how you're in front of them. You guys are in front of them all day long. It's just kind of second nature that you're talking to a bunch of kids. But in, in some cases, we could forget about how they are latching on. They're listening, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're paying attention and they're listening. And when I'm talking to new teachers a lot, I'm constantly reminding them, don't, don't ever underestimate what you say. Like in my job, when I say something, I got to be really careful because in my position, people take it literal. Right. <laughs> just like, just literal. If I say I like something and I'm being sarcastic, so I have to be mm-hmm. real careful. Well, same way with teachers, with, mm-hmm. with, with kids. And, and in this particular topic, you're, we may be walking on the most delicate high wire there is. Mm-hmm. And so as you're, as you're, I'm just curious, what, what do you, does that, is that on a conscious level with, with teachers? Can I, can I just, I want to chime in here. Yeah, yeah. I went to a training a few years ago with ABODA, which is American Board of Trial Advocacy Lawyers. And they said something that resonated with me that I've 
it's just stuck with me and how I feel about teachers in A-Leaf every day, that we are the guardians of democracy, that really it is our job to instill that education in students and so that they may carry on and understand their role in society and how that they impact democracy. So it's just something that as you talk about teachers and it's very important what they say and their actions, that's something I brought back from that training and that Every time I'm speaking with a group of teachers, I make sure that they understand that they really are – they have superpowers, Yeah. especially social studies teachers. But, you know, that's – Well, you, <laughs> well you all talk about things that kids – that's actually interesting and, mm-hmm. and they're talking about. Like they want to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. React to this comment. It's very similar to what Gretchen just said. About a year ago, there was a good article in The Atlantic about the role of public education in Texas – I mean in the United States. And it was a very general conversation. I mean a general article. There was a statement in there, and I'm paraphrasing, but there was a statement in there that says that Public schools at their very, very, very best are assimilating people from all walks of life, from all over the planet Earth, into one culture. Think about that. Agree with that? Disagree with that? I agree with it if you mean that we're assimilating students to be good citizens. Yeah. That's the insinuation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were teaching them, going back to this, we're the guardians of democracy. We're teaching them to assimilate into a way of life i.e. democracy, mm-hmm. capitalism, free enterprise, all that good stuff. And I mean, I, I think that that has always been the purpose of education. That has always been the purpose so that we can have good citizens to continue with the democracy and the foundations that we've had for our country. I think that's always been the, a role of education. And social studies teachers <laughs> do it the best. <laughs> yeah, y'all are fighting Agreed. to keep that. Oh, yes, yes they are. <laughs> Sometimes you got to fight against the, own, the, the system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I also think that we create critical thinkers to kind of push the envelope. So we've given you the foundation. Yes, we taught you what a good citizen is or should be. But it's also up to the future generation to kind of push what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that look like in an ever-changing society? So it's kind of a, a yes, I agree. We do try to assimilate, but then things change over time. And how do we manage that change. And that's really for the future generations to determine what that looks like. I think you have that internal friction between mm-hmm. some generations want to hold on to the way it was mm-hmm. or the way it used to be. And I'm, I mean, my age, I'm guilty of that in some instances and in some occasions. But there's, and then you got the direct friction is this new movement coming around mm-hmm. that's pushing. Just like when I was young, I pushed, I mean, it's all, it's all yeah, part it's of the natural order of things. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But I found that, that comment about when we're at our very best, mm-hmm. like at our very best, and 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 your your statement about that's what we've always been about. So what's the surprise? Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> what's the big deal about that statement? I would argue that there are, there have been times where people would looked at public ed and said, "I don't know that that's what you're doing anymore." So think think about testing. Mm-hmm. If we're defined by test scores, <laughs> then are we truly? Yeah, we're creating good test takers and maybe or more than just a test yeah. though. Our, t- our teachers do so much more than that on a daily basis. The ideal of tests don't come up until maybe a month before. The other times they are teaching them those life critical thinking skills, those life skills that they need. And like you said, we're answering questions upon questions about what's going on in the real world, mm-hmm. what's happening. And it's our job to make sure that we are explaining those things, but also keeping them in the framework of our curriculum 
and letting them know that the more you know that things change over time and that if you want to be a part of this change you have to be educated first yeah absolutely i mean we are assimilating them to be good citizens of the world of Harris County, of Houston, Texas, you know, of the United States, of the world. But we're also empowering them to question, Mm -hmm. why is it this way? What can I do to change it? If I don't like something, what are the avenues for change? And I think that that's probably just as important as assimilating them. Yeah, I think I think we do we do a good job at that and we and they do it every day. I walk by and I'm hearing conversations and I'm looking at lesson plans and I'm like, well, that's not on lesson plan. (laughs) But I know that 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 came up authentically because of the what lessons and what is what's happening in the um in the world. Mm-hmm. That's the great part of in my opinion of teaching a course like social studies cuz it's the one avenue that you get to talk about all kinds Anything of Anything you want. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then tell your specialist, this was part of my lesson. Yeah, right. I tied it back to the objective. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's social, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, all, it's all things social. I mean, it's part of our lesson delivery is to make that real world connection. So every day we charge teachers and it's I think it's easier in social studies than probably any of the other contents to make that real world connection. And you just see the light bulb go off. A student finally understands why they're learning about dead people and dates, you know, because yeah. that's what everybody, that's the rap we get. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that real quick because I, I want to give you a chance to dis- dispel <laughs> that rumor. <laughs> so all we're going to talk, you know, if I'm, t- if I'm a Someone said, "Well, you're a history major." I said, "Yeah." He goes, "So what'd you what'd you study?" <laughs> I said, "History." <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you think I studied? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what history means. Adrian, what does it mean to you when you walk into a classroom? What does that mean for me? It's just having a connection and understanding my like I keep saying my place, my where I am in my time and space. Who am I? What are my responsibilities? The world doesn't necessarily owe me anything, but it does kind of owe me some things because I am a citizen of this country. And so for me, history is about learning about my foremothers and what did they do to come before me and understanding, um, you know, in the classroom for me, women's rights was always very important. And so that was a thread that I pulled on the entire school year. Um, so that by the time they walked out, they knew more about women's history probably, you know, than mm-hmm. somebody next to me who is more focused maybe on African-American history or on Hispanic history and that space in the United States. And I think that we're always – I just think as people, we're searching for a place and where do we fit in. And I think that the social studies classroom is a really great springboard for this is who we are, this is why we are the way that we are, and here's how we change it. You know, as Gretchen was saying, it changes over time. You know, and so how do how do we get to that change? It's not just something that okay, it happens. Well, it's going to, it's going to change anyway, right? <laughs> right. But do you want to be a part of it or not? Exactly, and right, and exactly. here's here's how you do it. And the very base thing that you can do as a citizen is to vote. vote. Yeah, yeah. I when I look at history, I look at history as just this one big giant novel or soap opera where I'm learning about all these scandalous things, all these interesting things. And while things are changing, let's look at how they're the same, Mm -hmm. how it repeats and how if we don't make changes, then we're going to repeat. And I I just I just love just the stories, Mm -hmm. the the stories and how they relate to me now. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing these two ladies have said. I'm sitting over here shaking my head in agreeance (laughs) because I think we all got into this field for probably the same reasons. The stories are very interesting, intriguing, but also where's my place and how do I fit in? And just that we are bound to repeat ourselves if 
Oh, yeah, the most famous quote. You know, yeah, the most famous, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you condemn to repeat it, right? Yeah, yeah, no. And when you look at the stories, you're like, wait, this happened before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This happened at this location at this different time. And, yeah, so you can always see um, the commonalities throughout history. I don't know about you, ladies, but I love when I was in the classroom and the kids would make the connection to, wait, 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 this is going on today. And right. You know, that happened yes. That happened 100 years, years ago, right. you know. Right. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. I went into a classroom the other day. And they were um, it was a current events class and they were talking about gun rights. But the video was like from 1980 or something. something. The video was like 1980. And I'm like, I wonder do these kids get that this is happening right right now? You know, I didn't say in the class. I was just like kind of walking by. Mm -hmm. But I was like, do they understand that this is happening right now? Mm -hmm. Right now. Well, there's a certain beauty of youth that you think mm-hmm. nothing has ever happened until <laughs> nothing important <laughs> nothing ever happened, happened yeah. until, until I was born right <laughs> <laughs> so, I've caused all this all this drama but uh no, it's funny I've over the last year or so I read uh, I'm a Texas history guy and I read a book called God Bless Texas and it's about autobiography about Bob Bullock former lieutenant governor mm-hmm. and it talks about Texas history in the 60s and the 70s and it's talks about public education mm-hmm. and funding of public education and are they good stewards of the tax dollar? I mean, the same questions mm-hmm. that are happening now, same fights, same arguments, different cast of characters. And it's funny on the ideology, on the partisan side. You know, back then the Democrats were all in charge. You know, you had a Democratic governor, Democratic lieutenant governor. The, the, the House and the Senate in Texas were all democratically led, and they're doing the same thing that the Republicans mm-hmm. have been doing. It's right. so you, <laughs> it just kind of gets blurred, you know, on this. Going back to the the, the voting part, which was mm-hmm. kind of what we started with. The idea that, that we're attempting to educate our kids on the importance of voting and then when you do vote, have to be educated about, about voting. What have y'all found to be the most effective? You mentioned personalizing it. Is, is that the secret sauce? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. And the, the closer you can get to the election to registering students to vote, yeah, yeah. the better because you can say, this is what happened four years ago. This is what happened last year. This is how you can impact it. And in Harris County, you have to register 30 days before the election. So this year, it's October 7th. You have to be registered by October 7th. I think when you can kind of thread that needle and get in there right before the election and say, this is what it is, and you break down the proposition, I always like to um, print out a sample ballot, Mm -hmm. you know, for the county and hang it up outside my classroom so everybody can see it. My favorite go-to is the League of Women Voters for voter um, education. They do a really great job of interviewing candidates, of breaking Mm -hmm. down propositions. You know, the verbiage on propositions is is difficult sometimes to decipher. If I don't want something to happen, I have to vote yes. You know, that's one of the props uh, on the ballot this time. And so I think personalizing it and really just getting in there. You know, we've laid the foundation for their previous 12 years, and now that they're seniors and now that they're – 18 or on the verge of 18, now we put it all into practice. This is how it's going to impact you. And, you know, a lot of times it's still, they're going to look at uh, flooding infrastructure and go, okay, you know, yeah. unless you're in a house that flooded. Right. Mm-hmm. In which case, you know, is it fair to to take all of this money, you know, this pot of money and what do we do with this money? The income tax, I think, would be a really easy one to, to kind of leverage with students this year. Um, the mayoral race has been very 
I think, in people's faces. They're spending yeah. lots and lots of yeah. money yeah. on that. So, yeah, I think the key is to, to do it as close to election as possible. So it's all about that instant gratification. I registered in October and I'm voting in November. You know, if we get them in March, then it's I, I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect. I think frequency also plays a part. So the more we drive it home, mm-hmm. for instance, we have volunteers coming out, open house. We have these orientations with seniors where we're having the conversations in their meeting, their orientation meetings. Then we have the teachers that are actually instructing on the structure of our government. So I think frequency is also important. Frequency is also important. Well, and schools are charged with registering students to vote twice a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just before an election, but you know, but They're once in the, the fall and, and mm-hmm. once in the spring. And there have been reports that after the 2016 election, only 6% of public schools asked for those voter registration cards to be sent to campuses since 6% across the state of Texas. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, just having the resources available for students to actually register on campus is extremely important. We can't expect them to... Ask for it. Sift through all that information, ask for it. You know, we need to make sure that every opportunity is available to them to register. I was reading um, that in Iowa... They actually give an incentive to schools that have 90 percent of their eligible students registered to vote. So it's like a mayor or governor's award mm-hmm. that they give mm-hmm. to the students and or to the schools. And that, you know, that may be something that we could look at in our state, you mm-hmm. know, some to, type of incentive, some type mm-hmm. of incentive yeah. to get right. those um, principals, you know, to register their uh, students to vote. I think, Gretchen, you made a comment about the requirement. I don't think most people know we're required by law to mm-hmm. to provide registration opportunities for high school kids mm-hmm. at a minimum twice a Minimum, yeah. At a, at a minimum twice a year. Yeah, and every high school principal is a deputy registrar. Right. Which, so, I mean, it's just getting that information out there is what's important. And, I mean, Voter registration is just part of the battle. Then you have to actually get them to the polls. <laughs> they got to get to the polls. Yeah. Well, in my tenure here, I've attempted to encourage, incentivize. I got to let teachers wear blue jeans if they voted. It's probably <laughs> some violation of. Probably I don't know. Trouble. I think they enjoyed that. <laughs> well, probably going to get in trouble for even admitting that <laughs> by somebody. That's not a student problem. That's a. Right. That's an adult problem. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it goes back to what Adrian, what you said earlier on, is. I'm one vote. I don't know that we can make voting any more convenient short of voting online, you know, at home on your, in your PJs so you don't have to get up <laughs> right. and go somewhere. But I'm, I'm hoping, and I know this is true, but there's one thing that I trust that we keep reiterating, and it's something that was said earlier. There's a lot of men and women that have given their lives for our ability to do this. To us, that means something. It's, it's sometimes in translation it gets it gets not watered down. It just it, the, the, the significance of it. I think it becomes more abstract yeah, than very, a concept. Yeah, very, very abstract. Unless it, you know, and I, I guess since 9-11, war, death, that type of thing has just been in, in our face every day. And it, we, sometimes it's we get... desensitized. Yeah, yeah. We, we get numb to it in some cases. And, and, and it's kind of human nature until you're reminded every once in a while that what happened. My, my goal for our kids is to is everything you guys have said, but also to, in the back of their mind, to understand that people have died for this, like literally died. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the, the founding of our country through perhaps today. Someone somewhere has given their life for this. I'm curious about other elections. I know we talked about the big elections. Do, do we talk about school board elections, school bond elections, 
that, the classroom? In the classroom? Does oh, that, yeah, does for that, sure. Does that come up talking about – because those are for kids. Mm-hmm. That is by far the most direct impact on them mm-hmm. is who's elected to the school board. Mm-hmm. Right. Do they have any interest in that? Does that mean anything to them or – um, I think less so than the, you know, the the big, like the presidential right, one is the right. big sexy one, right. you know. But then I think that um, I know that my students would, would go home and talk to their parents about it, you know, because their parents are going to be the ones that are voting. Yeah. If you're 16, 17, you're not voting. Right. But, yeah, I definitely talked about it. I mean, I live in A-Leaf, and one of the reasons that I wanted to purchase a home in A-Leaf was so that I could – impact school board elections and I could vote on propositions and I could vote on things that are going to directly impact not just me, but my students. And so, uh, yeah, we definitely talk about it in the classroom and the kids, I think it is abstract. Okay. Potholes, you know, or how much money is going to be added to the property tax, you know, a penny here, a penny there, that doesn't mean anything to them. And so just making it real and again, Mm -hmm. making it personal. Yeah. We Mm -hmm. definitely talk about it. It goes back to the why, why, Mm -hmm. why is it important to me? Just making sure we can help students make that connection. With I think that's with everything we do, though. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on my campus, we have the, um, well, probably on every campus, but a lot of school board members come to our campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we'll, they'll say, well, who is that lady or who is that man? <laughs> and that, that opens up the conversation. Well, let me tell you exactly who that was and what they do. So those are a lot of conversations that we have on our campus because we our school board is, uh, members are so visible. Active, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, some people argue school board members, that's the closest to democracy you can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can actually meet them, see them on your, you know, in school and, they're just another man or another woman that doesn't come with all the hoopla of someone who, with a higher with an office that's at the state level. But I'm glad it's being talked about because those are mm-hmm. those types of elections. I think they they lose. They're not nearly as glamorous as bigger elections, but those are the elections that sometimes have the most impact on whether it's a kid or an adult's day to day life. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a resident of a school district, yeah, it has an impact. They're the ones casting votes on the budget, on salaries, on resources on all the things that, that help you do your, your job professionally and as well as personally. I'm proud of what our district does. I'm proud of the you ladies and others who, who take this serious and, and want to deliver an opportunity for kids to just think. You, you mentioned earlier critical thinking. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just apply critical thinking to math and science. I want them to think critically about these big decisions. Mm-hmm. Anything we've missed? Is there something... No. Well, in my opinion, no. I think that was really the point we wanted to get across was that as social studies educators, that is our job, is to get students to think critically. And yes, we do teach dead people and dates, but (laughs) we are way more than that. And um, I think that that's our role here in A-Leaf is to make sure that we, when students graduate, that they leave here critical thinkers and they can make decisions for themselves. I mean, as a parent, that's what mm-hmm. we would want for our own children is mm-hmm. think on your own. And, you know, if you make a mistake, make it make it your own mistake. Right. Make it because you followed someone else. Right. One thing we didn't talk about, I think it's interesting to just we can end on this, but Texas legislature passed a bill that's going to require at least certain number of questions that our oh. high school kids have to take <laughs> on a test to be part of the citizenship test. Mm-hmm. 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 What's your thoughts on that? We have a citizenship strand already, um, and I think that our U.S. history EOC was pretty comprehensive 
What was the what was the EOC for people that don't know? What that oh, is? oh, I just lost my course. End of course. Sorry, I'm giving it such well, a big thing. Yeah, yeah. now yeah. I was like, wow, thanks. That's because you're thinking about how passionate you feel about those ten questions. Oh, right. Those ten questions, those low level questions mm-hmm. that I mean, the state has in, within that bill that was passed mm-hmm. also said that uh, those questions have to be aligned to the U.S. history teaks which is the Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills for those outside of Texas. There's very few questions on that assessment or on the naturalization test that are... Match the teaks. mm -hmm, Very few. So I could probably tell you, there's probably 12 total questions. Uh, it's, It's really not aligned to our standards. It's low level. And I think we do a much better job of teaching those skills in the classroom. It it does share a little bit of insight into the... uh, lack of insight that some of our local our elected officials in Austin have into mm-hmm. what's actually being taught. Well, that goes back to your question earlier about the STAR tests. And uh, and I think these two ladies said it well. Well, we do so much more than that, teach to the test yeah. in the classroom. So it's kind of a blip on the radar. You know, add 10 questions. We'll move right. on. We do more than that. They'll be prepared. We'll yawn and move on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank all three of you, not only for sitting down and having this conversation, but thank you for what you do. Seriously, it is critical to our democracy. And if our republic, democracy, society, whatever you want to call it, is to continue to flourish and not be a footnote in a history book a thousand years from now, it'll be because of educators like yourself. Thank you. And it's the truth. And I firmly believe that. Oh, and I do want to say also, Mr. Chambers, you do a really great job of educating teachers when you send out bulletins and keep us informed about laws and about propositions and about proposed things. You do a really great job of that. And that gives us sometimes the springboard to talk to our students about it as well. Well, and other staff members as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, yes, it's very helpful. And I'll keep doing it. One, because I it's my job, <laughs> but it's part of my responsibility. But more than that, I, as you've been talking about wanting students to be engaged and informed and all that, I want our staff because mm-hmm. we've got a we got a lot of staff that are not engaged mm-hmm. and not informed, and in some cases, I just mean it as it is. They in some cases choose not to to be informed on issues. So if they're going to be informed, it's not going to be because of me. <laughs> I'm gonna make it hard on. I'm gonna make it hard on them to be uninformed. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you very much for everything Thanks. you guys. Thanks for, for the opportunity. Really appreciate yes. it. This has been Impact Ed. I'm HD Chambers. Thank you for joining today's episode. Hope you found it useful, and we'll talk to you later. This has been an AMP production.